morning. Were you looking for the dance? If you were here last week, I, was, yeah, I decided no way. I'm not dancing. Last week I'd mentioned, you know, maybe I should come up with a dance for that dun 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 dun, but no. I decided no. I'd lose all my dignity before I began to speak, and I don't want to do that. Uh, we're in the final message today in the series we call Time of Your Life. And we started the series by looking at Moses' prayer in Psalm 90. And there's a phrase in the prayer that we should pray ourselves uh, every day. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. When you begin to understand that your days are numbered, it gives you the right context for living life. Then the last few weeks, we've been looking at some practical ideas for getting the most out of our time. Uh, how God gives direction and help for getting the most of our time. And today, we're going to go on a search for the meaning of life with a man who has a lot of wisdom to share with us. Now, this is my uh, pre-message explanation of what this is going to feel like. Um, This message this morning will definitely resonate with you if you are my age, maybe a few older, a few years younger. Um, I'm 53, just to give you a context. i I've been through midlife reevaluation. Um, I went through a point, some people call it crisis. Mine wasn't really a crisis, it was just kind of reevaluation. I, I, got, I was into surfing when I was young, so at one point my daughter wanted to learn how to surf, and then that kind of sparked this, hey, I, I can surf again. So I saved my money, I had a board built, I had, you know, it was actually more like a cruise ship that you could just... <laughs> You know, and because it's easy to paddle. And so I, but I had, I thought it through. I had, you know, this Hawaiian print tapa fabric inlaid into this board. And there's a verse on the stinger, the, the stringer, I mean, and it says Psalm 93 4, God is mightier than the breakers of the sea. So as I'm surfing, I can remember, you know, these things are, they're going to throw me around a little bit, but hey, God's bigger than that. So I got into that. And what I realized in doing that is that my mind could do things my body couldn't accomplish. So in, in my mind, I'd be paddling into the wave, and it's time to get up. Well, a, a little later, I'd get up. And it'd be later than I should have been, and it would be the wave would be gone. So that I did a baseball thing I won't get into. Uh, same kind of thing. I hit a ball in the gap. Uh, I was 39 when I did this. Hit a ball in the gap, and I thought, that's a double right there. So I, I, I turned to go towards second and got thrown out like 10 feet off of first base. <laughs> it, it was a real drag. In my mind, again, that was a double. When, when you're 15, it's a double. When you're 39, not so much. So we go through these things. My parents are both gone now. They both died in the last uh, five or six years. And what happens when your parents die is, uh, you realize in your family there is no layer between you and eternity. You're it. You're, you, there is no layer now. It's, it's you, then eternity. And God uses the, the, these, this flow of life to sort of do some things in us. And so that, that's the, the launch of what I'm going to talk about today. Today is not going to be a pump you up, pep you up talk. At times it's not going to feel like that. It, it's something, though, that we all need to focus on. If, if you're young, it's a crucial message because the perspective offered helps you get the most out of life. We, we really need it. All of us need it. 
the way the way life is sort of like a golf swing. If you're if your feet are pointed in just the slightest wrong direction, the ball is going to go into the next fairway. I've actually hit balls out of the golf course into the houses next to it, you know, because I wasn't aiming the right. It's, it's very important that your feet are lined up. And so the perspective that we're going to get this morning helps you get your feet pointed in the right direction. And so young or old, I think this is going to be helpful, although it may not feel the greatest at times. Uh, this, this message is going to help you get pointed in the right direction. Solomon is the man we're going to follow on his search. He was a king of Israel. He followed his father David, one of the greatest kings. Solomon reigned during an unprecedented time of prosperity for the, the nation of Israel. And in 1 Kings 3.3, it says that Solomon showed his love for God uh, by walking in his statutes. I don't have this on the screen or in your notes, but you find out that Solomon really pleased God. God was very happy with him, the way he was handling his responsibilities. And, and so God appeared to Solomon. One time Solomon was sacrificing, worshiping God in Gibeon. And God appeared to him, and he, he said, Ask whatever you want, and I will give it to you. Can you imagine? God shows up while you're worshiping, and he says, okay, look, anything you want, I'll give it to you. And in 1 Kings 3.9, again, it's not in your outline or on the screen, but this is Solomon's response. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Now, out of all the things he could have asked for, Solomon asked for wisdom to determine right and wrong. And this really made God happy. So God was just ecstatic over his request. And he responds by promising a wise and discerning heart. And he will add to that riches and honor so that no one could equal Solomon in his day. Just no equal in his lifetime. So here we are, 3,000 years later, and this has gone on. This is who Solomon is. This is what's gone on. And we have the opportunity to learn from his search, his search for meaning. Solomon was the guy uh, with everything, the man with everything, who went on a search for meaning. Now, Solomon had gained international fame for his wisdom and intellect. People would come from all over. Uh, kings and queens to ask him for advice. He, he was famous internationally. The level of accomplishment as an architect was unmatched. He, he is the Solomon in Solomon's temple. He built the temple. He built the palace for himself. He built the temple for God. He, he was a tremendous architect. He was a scientist. Uh, he had incredible wealth. In our currency, his minimum annual income was about a billion dollars a year. And his holdings were $100 million, like way more than Bill Gates, $100 million in holdings. He had total power, total and absolute political control. So what that means is nobody could block his goals. If he wanted to do something, he had the money to do it and the, the power to do it, and he did it. So we, we get to follow him on his search. He had an, a unique opportunity to explore what life's all about and then tell us what makes life 
worthwhile because if he wanted to do something or try something, no, no one could stop him. Now, here's how he starts the book of Ecclesiastes. I want to encourage you, if you read Ecclesiastes, read, read through the whole thing at once. Because if you stop, you know, at some points you might be ready to go shoot yourself or something. I, I don't know, but I would encourage you, if you're going to read through it, read, read through the whole book. Because it, it makes sense as a whole. It'll take about an hour to read through it, give or take some. But anyway, um, first verse. This is his thesis for the book. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. You can see why it's not a pump you up, pump you up kind of talk. What does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? Now, maybe you, buy, you can buy a car out of the labor that you, you toil with. But someday, you know, you're excited when you get a car, you know, you get a new car or get an, an old car that's new to you that you really think is cool. It's, it's exciting. I mean, it's fun. It, it's like, this is all right. I'm going to cruise around in this. This is great. But the problem is it wears out. Pretty soon you need a new car. Um, you have to trade it in for another one. You get an iPod, or better yet, an iPad. Now, that is cool. You know, you see people in Starbucks with an iPad, you have to ask them about it. How do you like that iPad? I mean, is that cool or what? Those are cool. Fifteen million things of those things. You get an iPad, well, a new one's coming out. iPad 2's coming out in the summer. It gets old. It's, you're behind. And then it eventually wears out, and you have to do something else that, you know, you have to figure it out. It's going to wear out. The house that you work for, to to pay for, you know, it's deteriorating and it's probably going to last. The house I live in, I'm sure it's going to last longer than me. There there are some heirlooms. We have some chairs from a neighbor of mine that I grew up with that are 100 years old plus. I think they're going to last beyond me. But I die and I have to give it to somebody else. I mean, it just it's just not the stuff. It's it's not going to last. Generations come, he says, and generations go, but the earth remains forever. Now, in the next few verses, he points out that the sun rises, the sun sets, the next day the sun rises, and the sun sets, and the next day it's all over again. The, the wind blows south, then it turns north, then it comes back again. The, the waters flow in from the rivers into the sea, and it doesn't fill up, and they just keep flowing into the sea. This stuff keeps happening. There, there's, there's this sameness to life. What has been, he says in verse 9, what has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Now, you and I tend to think we're special. That's, that's how we're wired. We think we're special. Like we're it. But generations come and generations go. And we will go someday. And the earth remains. This, this keeps happening. The sun's going to come up. What's going to happen the day after you and I die? The sun's going to come up. The sun's going to set. The next day it's going to do the same thing. The, the, the water from the rivers is going to flow into the sea. The wind, there will be weather persons telling us what the weather is going to be like because it has patterns to it. We can track it. The sameness of life and how it can get stale launched Solomon's search for meaning. This is what, 
really this is one of the things God intends in this staleness of life. We tend to get entitled to be entertained. Now, life should be an adventure all the time, 100%, all the time, all the time, adventure. We should do it. And when, it, when it's not, we, we get angry and frustrated. But the sameness of life, the patterns of life, create a feeling of emptiness after a while. They, they just do. That, that's what happens when you hit midlife reevaluation. And really, what we're doing is just an updated version of what the last generation did. Next generation, they'll have a different version. That this is, this is all what's going on. So this is how Solomon was feeling. And what he did is he experimented and evaluated the meaning of life in the midst of the staleness of it. He, he began to ask the core questions of life. Since we only have a limited number of days on earth, what is worth spending our time on? What, what is worth it? What's the best way to live? He had the wealth and influence to do anything he wanted, and he experimented to find out. Um, we, we can only have suspicions about whether or not more money would bring happiness, satisfaction. We, we can, if I only had more money, if I only had enough money, I could try this. We can only suspect that that would bring happiness. Um, if only I could get together with, you fill in the name, if only I could get together with them, life would be good. Well, here's a guy who had it all. He had the oomph to test it out. And so he experimented. Here are his experiments. I'm just going to walk through with you in the book of Ecclesiastes. His, in his own words, well, they were Hebrew, but they're translated into English, um, what, what he went through and how he evaluated the situation. So we're going to look at experiments and evaluations. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 2. I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter. I said, is foolish. What does, it, what does pleasure accomplish? The word meaningless in the Hebrew is hebel, hebel, H-E-B-E-L. It means empty, transitory, unsatisfactory. So pleasure isn't what life's all about. He, he first experimented with pleasure, feeling good, having a good time, partying, um, sex, entertainment, other kinds of, you know, any kind of amusement, whatever it is, um, he experimented with this, and he found out this is empty. This is not what life's about. I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. So he, he shifted from pleasure to uh, accomplishment. I undertook great projects in verse 4. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. So he threw himself into these projects, into uh, architecture, landscape architecture, um, uh, all kinds of different massive projects that he threw himself into. And then he shifted. That, that wasn't that big a deal to him, so... He shifted to acquisitions. In verse 7, I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. Now, how do you know you've arrived? 
in, in our society. When you have people that do the things you don't really want to do, like clean your house, do your lawn, park your car, you, you can use the valet. You know, that's a, I use the valet. I don't like to park very far away. That's a long walk, so I use a valet. Now, there's nothing wrong with this, but it's a symbol. This guy had it. He had peeps <laughs> who did what he didn't want to do. You know, it's kind of like when you've arrived, people that you don't know can't just talk to you. They have to talk to your people. Talk to my people. You know, see if I got time. I don't know. Check with them. Check with my peeps. See what's happening. So that's, that's where he was. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. Most of us suspect that if we could amass a ton of wealth, that we'd be happy. And, and this is why the lottery and the casinos do well, because we're suspecting if we could just hit it big, boom, it's going to come together. It's going to be good. This, well, he didn't have to suspect. He, he amassed. I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well. The delights of the heart of man mix in a little more pleasure. Whatever he got, he acquired the most of it. Whatever it was he was into at the time. Do you know people like this? Maybe you're like this. You know, you get into rock climbing. There's an endless amount of paraphernalia you can buy for rock climbing. You get into surfing, music. You can just, you know, there's, there's always more stereo equipment. There's always more stuff you can buy. Um, you get into um, dancing, same thing. And th- this, is, this is how our economy thrives because there, there's always more stuff you can get. Well, he had everything. Whenever he got into something, he had the most that you could have in that. And then he goes on in verse 9. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. And all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work. And this was the reward for my labor. The, the reward was the work, enjoying the work. He, he enjoyed the work. It was In itself, it was rewarding, but it was a limited victory. Look at verse 11. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. The work was fun, but having it all, at the end of it, it there was an empty. It was empty. It was, it was meaningless. It was, it was unsatisfying transitory, temporary, a chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Now remember that phrase, under the sun, it's a key phrase. Next, he shifts his focus entirely. Verse 12, then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly. Just as light is better than darkness, the wise man has eyes in his head while the fool walks around in darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Then I thought in my heart, the fate of a fool will overtake me. What then do I gain by being wise? This too is meaningless. For the wise man, like the fool, will not be long remembered. In days to come, both will be forgotten. Like the fool, the wise man too must die. So he's, he's, he's working this out. He's on this search. Now he's trying to figure out, is wisdom and intellect going to help me? Now, who was the valedictorian at your high school? It may have been you. In this crowd, I, I'm, I'm thinking there's probably a few. It, it, you could have been, 
How about five years before you? How about five years after you? Ultimately, the memory of people and their intelligence and accomplishments and acquisition, it fades. Meaningless. That's what Solomon's saying, meaningless. This turns to his evaluation. He begins to evaluate. Now, you didn't know you were going to read the book of Ecclesiastes this morning, did you? But we're walking through it. Hang with me. This is good. I like hearing it in his own uh, words. Verse 17 of chapter 2. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it was meaningless, the chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool. Yet he will have control over all the work into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. Solomon basically got angry and frustrated over what he had given his time to. I've collected all of this stuff. I've accomplished all of these things. I've gained all of this wisdom for what? What is the purpose? Because under the sun, life is frustrating at times. It's stale. It's the same. There's patterns to it. Ecclesiastes 9 goes on. More evaluation. So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands, but no man knows whether love or hate awaits him. Uh Uh-oh, here it is. Life is not only meaningless, it's random. I don't know. You get up in the morning and you're not quite sure how the day is going to go. Wouldn't it be great to just be able to plan one day and have it go the way you plan it? But you get up in the morning and, you know, one of the other people who live in the house, they're in a cranky mood. And it makes it, it's, it's the day off to a bad start. And you're not quite sure whether love or hate awaits you. Life is random. We, we, we're, we have bad days, days that we thought were going to be good days turn into bad days because we're not quite sure how it's going to go. Under the sun, life doesn't make sense. It, it really doesn't. There's, an, there's a strain of it. There's a, a, a thing we experience in life that doesn't make sense to us. Let's skip to uh, verse 11 of chapter 9. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. There it is. What's up with this? What is the randomness in life doesn't let me make complete sense of it. Because life is so random, there's a dimension to it that I can't figure out. I don't know how it's going to go. And that's unsettling. I know, I believe, that Christianity is the best explanation for life and the way it is, but still, there are loose ends, things I can't comprehend, things I can't understand, even with knowing what God has said in the Scriptures. The good news, in the midst of the confusion, the frustration, and the, the lack of comprehension, we can know enough. And so, thankfully, we get to Solomon's conclusion. The futility of this life points to something beyond this life. 
Ecclesiastes 3.11. He, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. Now, every once in a while, in the midst of the sameness of life, something goes on. We have an experience that is beautiful. There's a beauty to it that resonates deep inside of us, and it draws us beyond what's going on in this world. The birth of my children, for me, were like that. that that's amazing. That is awesome to see how God has worked that out so that happened. You, know, there, there's, there, you end up with a little baby in your arms if things go well. So, I mean, it's just the beauty of that. There's, and, you know, one time showed up at the Grand Canyon, and whew, that's just, there's, I, you see that. And there are times in your life, I was completely surprised, thought I'd go just take a peek at the Grand Canyon and take off, go back home, or keep going home. No, I was in awe at the one who had created this. And God does that. In the midst of our lives, there are things of beauty that draw us to something more because, the passage says, he has also set eternity in the hearts of men. This is why we're not satisfied with the, the temporary, empty stuff of this life. God has planted something in all of us that makes us realize there's a broader context to our lives, and we long for life beyond the sun. Not just life under the sun, but life beyond the sun. It says, He set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. There's a, there's a sense in which we can't figure it all out. We can't, but we know. We know that God has planted eternity in our hearts. We long for something more. And we hit those times of beauty in our life that God puts together that draw us toward him. We can't figure it all out, but we know God is working. He's, he's involved in the context of life. He's planted eternity in our hearts. Then Solomon makes some applications that I want to look at. And the first application is that real happiness in this life is in the journey. 3, 12, and 13, I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. How many times have you looked forward to a certain day? You've planned for that day. You've scrambled. You've, you've fretted. You've fussed. You've made all the you frantically run running around, and you're making plans because this is going to be an amazing day. You're just, you plan the best day of your life, and it's, in, it's coming up, and it's on a certain date. You're working toward it, and you get to that day. Yeah, it was okay. I mean, you know, it was, it was good, but it wasn't great. How many times have you had that experience? You look forward to something, and then you get there, and eh, I don't know. It's okay, not great. The gift of God is being able to enjoy the journey today. Enjoy right now. That's one of his conclusions, one of Solomon's conclusions. Next one. Uh, next application. God's purpose is that we should give him the respect he deserves. What he's doing in the beauty and in planting eternity in our hearts is he's wanting us to give him the respect that's due him. 
I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. Whatever is has already been and what will be has been before. And God will call the past to account. Now, life is random. It's frustrating. It's painful. Things don't work out the way that we want at times. But God has planted eternity in our hearts so that in the midst of life under the sun, we would turn to him and live for what's beyond the sun. That, that's what God is doing. If you were young, I'd encourage you to read the last part of Ecclesiastes and the, last part, and the first part of Ecclesiastes 12. Ecclesiastes 12 starts out, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. He encourages you, remember him now and try to get your life right. Try to get, try to do your best. Now, you're not going to do your life perfectly, but try to get it right. Do your best to get it right. Try to figure it out. Keep in mind that God is watching. Remember your creator. Keep in mind that God is watching. Try to get it right the first time. Uh, start now on trying to live God's way. And see what he can do, the good that he can bring into your life over the long haul. With his help, you can really enjoy life. He wants to show you how to enjoy life and live for what will outlast the sun. That's, that's what, if you're single, don't spend all of your time looking for someone who you think is going to bring life together. I hope and pray that you find that person, that you find a teammate that's going to, going to help you in life. But actually, that person can already be in your life. God is meant to fill the void that sometimes we look for other people to fill. So don't spend all of your time focused and worried and anxious about finding just the right person, but use your extra time to pour into things that please God and help Him uh, help fulfill His purpose in this world. If you're married and you have kids, uh, you are living with the next generation. You have an opportunity right in front of you to make a, di- a difference. Don't get busy with work and other pursuits so busy that you lose your connection to your family and you aren't able to leave an imprint as you follow God and set out to, to, to please him. You have an opportunity right in front of you to make an investment. I'm, I'm an empty nester. My kids are gone. My, my, my son's gone. He's gone, which has some benefits. I don't have to pay his bills any longer. My daughter, she's at college most of the year. And <clears throat> I have extra time to invest. If you're an empty nester, you have some extra time to invest. Look for ways to serve. One, one thing you have is experience. Now, it may be bad experience. It may be good experience. Actually, you may be embarrassed about how you chose some things early on that haven't worked out so well. I would encourage you, be a bad example for the people around. Go ahead. Be willing to say, you have to humble yourself to do this, but we'll be willing to say, you know, this is the way I did it. Don't do that. Sometimes we get in the trap of, I always have to get to this point in my life and look back and say, this is the way to do it. That's the way to do it. It's the way I did it. No, humble yourself. I've got bad experiences. I've got things I look back and I, I sort of cringe and think, if I'd have only known, if I could have 
gone back and told myself what was, how this was going to turn out. Be open about that stuff. Be willing to humble yourself and be a bad example in retrospect. If, if that humble yourself and tell others what they shouldn't do, give warnings and include the young. We, we all have, we should all live like our days are numbered because they are. And so Solomon says, make the most of your time right now. Here's the last application. All of us are moving closer to the day that will determine our destiny. In verse 16 and 17, these are his conclusions in chapter 3. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I thought in my heart, God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time for every deed. A day is coming after the sun ceases to exist when God will make everything right. Right now it doesn't make sense. It's random. But there is a day when God is going to make it right. In fact, on that day, all of us have an appointment with our maker that's going to determine our destiny forever, for eternity. We're all going to last for eternity. But we all have an appointment that's going to determine whether we go on and live forever with God or whether we go on and live forever forever separated from God in a place called hell. That's what the scripture says. This day is coming and we need to get ready for it. Max Anders said, we were meant for God. We were created by him and for him. And until we find ourselves in him, we are still short of our journey. This is one of the key things that God wants us to find in this life. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14 say, this is, these are the last two verses in the book. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. We need to get ready for that day. The first step to making the most of your re- the rest of your life, if you haven't taken it, is <clears throat> to decide to connect with God through Jesus Christ. During this message series, I've been trying to uh, walk through Reader's Digest condensed versions of the message of Christianity as it relates to the topic. Actually, it relates to any topic, uh, so it's easy to do. But here's an outline of what is known as the four spiritual laws. And if you want to read... Uh, more uh, all all about the laws, the whole presentation, you can go to for the number four laws.com. There's a presentation there you can look at in all kinds of languages. But uh, the four spiritual laws, first of all, law one, God loves you and he offers a wonderful plan for your life. God made us to love us <clears throat> and he wants us uh, to follow him. <clears throat> And he wants us to know him and experience his wonderful plan for our life. Uh, Law two, man is sinful and separated from God. That just means that we rebelled. It means that sin is rebellion. We've rebelled against God. We haven't done life his way. That has separated us from him. And so, therefore, he he cannot know man, people, cannot know and experience God's love and plan for his life. Law three, Jesus Christ is God's only provision for man's sin. Through him, 
you can know and experience God's love and plan for your life. And then law four, we must individually receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Then we can know and experience God's love and plan for our lives. Listen to this quote by Blaise Pascal. I, I, he's a philosopher. Um, I, I enjoy uh, his, his writing. There once was in man a true happiness of which now remain to him only the dark and empty trace. There's a trace of the, the true happiness that was once in us, which he in vain tries to fill from all his surroundings, seeking from things absent the help he does not find in things present. But these are all inadequate because the infinite abyss can only be filled by an infinite and immutable object, that is to say, only by God himself. There's a hole in us that can only be filled by God, an infinite abyss that only he can fill. What Solomon is saying, the only thing that makes sense out of this life is to turn to him and live for him and to live his way. And as you do that, God allows you to enjoy the life that you have. We're going to be receiving our offering in a few minutes. And I'd like to ask you, if you would, to take out the connection card that's in your program and fill that out. Um, As you're filling that out there, I'd like you to consider some next steps that you may want to take. There may be some things that God has brought to mind or laid on your heart. Um, One of those may be to read Ecclesiastes. Take about an hour. Um, Some of it will be review since I've read so much of it this morning. Um, But that would be a great thing just to get perspective, the perspective that's offered there by Solomon, uh, the the wisest man in history really, uh, other than Jesus Christ. But a step could be to memorize Ecclesiastes 12:13. We've mentioned this, fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Uh, another step could be to ask God to help me start enjoying the journey today. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you, it's, life has been so random that you can't, you're having a hard time figuring it out. Ask God to show you himself in the midst of your journey today and bring joy. Ask him for that. Ask him to help you start enjoying it. And then there's a box on the, on the back of the connection card on the right-hand side. And in the box, it says, For the first time, I will make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. That's Law 4. says we must individually receive Jesus Christ. And in order to connect with God and have a friendship, begin a friendship with him, If you have been investigating Christianity and you're ready to do that, here's a prayer that you could pray, a prayer of commitment. And the words don't matter. It's not really that important what you say. It's the attitude of your heart. And if you'd like to make that decision today, we're going to give you some time. I'd like to ask the band to come up. They're going to play through the song we're going to sing next and give us some time just to reflect on this message and give you a chance to make this commitment in your heart. Dear God, I believe you sent your son, Jesus, to die for my sins so I can be forgiven. I'm sorry for my sins, and I want to live the rest of my life the way you want me to. Please put your spirit in my life to direct me. Amen. You could pray something like that.
and commit your life to follow Christ. And if you do that, let the person you came with know. Let somebody know to begin to tell them that you made that commitment. If you've already decided that, if you've already made that commitment to Christ, as we reflect, thank God for the salvation and the meaning that he brings to life and how he, he himself is the only purpose that's worth living for. Would you go with me to the Lord in prayer? Father, we thank you for the truth we find in Scripture, and I ask for the power and the help to live it out, that we might please you and glorify you and bring honor to your holy name. Dear God, I ask for this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.